Well, you can just do it privately. You can just have it privately there, and you can keep it there as long as you want. And yeah, then, but or still, the content match trolls will still find it if oh, it's yeah, private. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Like, if you're going to upload a movie to st- – you know what I'm – okay. That's – they didn't got me a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> the content troll. Fair enough. Please. Guys, it's Wednesday, September 25th, 2013. This is episode 71 of Yats. Every week, Wednesday night, yet another texture.com slash live. Check it out. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me this evening, we got Ant Pruitt. What's up, Ant? What's going on, gentlemen? We got Larry Press. How you doing, Larry? Doing well, guys. Doing well. Nick Carroll joining us. What's up, Nick? Hey, guys. Glad to be back. And Mike Rhodes? No, I'm kidding. Mark Rhodes. What's up, Mark Rhodes? Ant's friend, Mark. Yeah. Good to have you, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So uh, just to introduce yourself real quick to the, the Yats audience, uh, you like you went to school with Ant, or how do you know this guy? Actually, I met Ant playing poker. Oh, nice. Yeah. Little poker so, stars. That's how, that's how we met. We started chatting and uh, found out that we had a million things in common basically being cards and that I was a tech junkie just like him. Oh, nice. You playing online or like you play real tables? Uh, both. Nice. Mark um, is Mark is real deal though. Mark is actually out getting paid. Really? Yeah. You count, really? You Are you card I counter? Back a month ago. I spent two months in Vegas for the World Series of Poker. Oh, nice. Wow. Did you win big? I did. I was put this way for tax purposes. I won't say what I did, but I did all right. Nice, <laughs> bastard, humble and man. Another thing. Look behind him. Look at his home printer behind him. Well, my head's blocking it. Hold on. That's how he rolls. What is that? That would be a Xerox Phaser eighty-five sixty MFP. <laughs> That's a house in what, his house. <laughs> what are you printing out? Government propaganda? Like, why do you have that in your in your room? Uh, Hobby? Yeah, just just to say I can, but here's the real jacked up part. I have to turn it off when we're not using it. When I turn it on, the lights actually dim in and out. <laughs> I bet. You got to let it You got to let it warm up for a minute. Oh yeah, it's it's vicious. That's awesome. If we ever need any uh yats propaganda for any doubt, we'll know where to go. Oh, I got your back. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So uh, let's see, all sorts of stuff happened in, in tech. Last week after the show, uh, the new Kindles were announced. I know we kind of talked about this. Or no, not last week. It was after AOTA last night. They were just announced, right? Yep. And I remember two years ago on AOTA, we were talking about the first Kindles because we were talking about the two-year anniversary of the show and all that. And like that's how we, we were all talking about that then. And it's been two years. Uh, is this worth getting excited about at all? If you're in the Kindle ecosystem or the Amazon ecosystem, I'm sure it is. I know my wife would probably want to get one of these. Me personally, no, because uh, the interface isn't. Well, right, but it's if you're in that ecosystem, that's really they are all you have. Awesome tablets, though. I mean, if you're just in the media consumption right. and in that world, uh, these are pretty darn good. And it's good to finally get. I mean, how how outdated is your your hardware? If you're you're on the old Kindles, like I'm on a two year old phone, and it's like, okay, this is getting kind of old. And what do you think, Larry? You you want one of these? Okay, I haven't seen it, but I've got a. I don't think it was the original one, but maybe the second one out. Should I upgrade? Is it the Kindle Fire HD that you have, or just no, the it's Kindle not Fire? A fire. It's the Kindle Unfire. Oh, you just oh, have the regular. This would be an incredible upgrade from that, but uh, it's it's a lot more than e-reader. It's like a mega tablet. <laughs> what is it, is it? Is it good for anything besides reading stuff from Amazon? Yeah, videos, uh, video games. Amazon uh, videos, you mean? Or yeah, it's Amazon videos, YouTube videos. You can a web surfing device. Yeah, browsing. You could actually install videos on it or have videos in the cloud, 
and uh, basically uh, view them that way. So There's just no like Google Play Store, right? And you can't put Chrome on it. You have to use their Silk browser or whatever, which also got yeah. a refresh from what I read. Yeah, it's got like about a third of the apps and games as a Google Play Store, but it's still probably beyond that the biggest ecosystem outside of iOS and Android. Right, and as yeah, out of you know, as Ant showed us on the uh, the other Kindle Fire, like you can root it and ROM it and then get the Play Store if if you want to do that. Yep, and it's only a matter of time. If I saw correctly as well, guys, on on those units, they put in a whole new. HD's display for it as well. So the, I, I heard movie, movie viewing on it is actually pretty amazing. Yeah, the seven-inch tablet has a has a identical screen to like the ne- new Nexus Seven. It's like uh, nineteen twenty by twelve hundred, and that's on a seven-inch screen. The eight the eight point nine inch, the new one, has a like twenty-five sixty by sixteen hundred. Yeah, quick. that's sick. Yeah, it's insane. And the processors on these are the fastest. Uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon processors out. They're not the fastest thing that you can get on an Android uh, device of any sort. Did they say what the... Oh, it's 323 PPI. That That is nice. Yeah. That's gorgeous, Dan. That's Excellent. Insane. But it looks like they went kind of all out because it wasn't that kind of like when the when the other ones came out, everyone was like, yeah, it's cool, but it's kind of a toy. It's kind of slow. It's not very good hardware. So it seems like they kind of learned from that a little bit and now they're like, yeah, wow. even the last generation ones were pretty decent, the ones that were announced a year ago. My wife has the original Kindle Fire, and then she got the Kindle Fire HD, both 7-inch tablets. And they're both decent for the time they came out, but these are really top of the line for, for this day. I'm wondering how they will sell, because they're a lot more expensive now. Um, would people jump on it, or rather go the Google Play side? What's the price well, the, for one? The, the new Kindle Fire, the new Kindle Fire HDX, uh, the seven-inch tablet is two twenty-nine for the sixteen gig. That's identical to the ne- to the new Nexus Seven. Right. But what it's a it? much faster processor. What was the other one that I saw? It was like three something. Three seventy-nine. That's the eight point nine inch screen. That's the oh, mega. That's, that's the Nexus Ten competitor, and the okay. iPad, the regular iPad. How competitor. is that a competitor to Nexus Ten? It's only eight nine. Well, just in the the size, just the, the nine to ten in inch. The yeah. Between eight and ten inches, between not, really nine and ten inches, it's eight point nine. Realistically, it's it's nine inches, but in that sort of space, if it was you know, nine inches, they'd say nine inches, Nick. It's eight point yeah. nine. Eight point nine. It's not quite. Look at Mr. Semantics. I'm just here. saying, like, if you're gonna market your specs, market your damn specs. Don't be like, oh, it's eight nine, but it's a big eight nine. It's like really it's, nine. Apple does the same thing with the iPad Mini. No, they, I know. They I kind know. of say it's seven point nine, but pretty much everyone just says it's an eight inch tablet. Yeah. Yeah. Three seventy nine, kind of, kind of pricey for a Kindle. I I don't know that I I think I would go Play Store, but see I'm not in the Amazon ecosystem whatsoever. So it, the, the Nexus Ten will likely be very competitive with that, and of course in the Google ecosystem. But I mean, if you're all into Amazon, I mean this is, you know, the tablet to get. Well, also didn't they add that twenty four seven like live support as well for it? Which is a nice feature for you know maybe someone that's not so tech savvy and needs help with you know God knows what you would need help in that environment but <laughs> yeah well I mean oh, there there is a grandma that's gonna need it my mouse isn't yeah. working ma'am you don't have a mouse with this <laughs> <laughs> no but that's true right because like how many how many like non technical people friends do you have they're like what's a good Android phone to get or what's a good tablet to get and it's like you want to recommend what you like, but you know they're not going to take the time to figure out how to how to use it right. So this it is good mm-hmm. without having to recommend like, well, just go get an iPad dummy or something like that. Like it's it, it is yeah. kind of good to have an Android ish you know alternative, yeah. even if it's not well, true. Well, I'll say this: I'm likely going to end up getting one of these for my wife. I don't know which one, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> Christmas uh, she's getting one of these. Whichever one she wants. You hit it right on the head, too. When you suggest stuff to friends, if they don't know how to use it, 90.99% of the time, you're going to be the guy that's going to have to help them figure out how to use it. Exactly. If you give them something that is easy to use, you know you've just saved yourself 
hours of grief. Unbillable hours at that. You can't, <laughs> you can't bill friend hours for that stuff, especially when they're like, you told me to get this thing. Hey, but hey, bud, I want to come over and hang out. Yeah, oh, you want to hang I've out? I got my tablet. You mind looking at it? <laughs> I'm gonna oh, bring man. all my computer problems, and we'll hang out. It'll be fun. <laughs> no, I've learned my lesson with that and rooting and roaming friends' phones. Like, I won't even touch that anymore. I'll, I'll, I will give them links through Google Chat and be like, "There it is. If you want, you go right ahead." Read the manual. Yep. Exactly. Right. Because that's how we learned. I mean, I hate yeah. to sound like that that ass, but it's like, you know, we had to read. I can't just tell you how to do it. Yeah, well, so. when you're on this side of the fence, you pretty much have, <laughs> have to learn to adapt to that. You know, like tell them what to get and then run the other direction. Hopefully they don't have your number. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. Samsung coming out with uh, some gold Galaxy S4s. This. This doesn't make the S4 have any less crap pre-installed on it. I'll just say it it's just like same S4 just in in gold. What Wasn't is that like the funniest shit y'all seen now? What is the trend towards like I mean I remember when back in the day when like the bedazzler thing was on TV and people were bedazzling their stuff, but this is like yeah. this is so ridiculous I feel like when I saw this this headline, the first thing I thought of was Samsung saying, "You know what? Apple did it. We're gonna do it too, just to spike those." Is things. it like tongue in cheek? You know? Like, haha, look, we also. <laughs> yeah, I mean they've been going at patent war for what twelve years now, or whatever. A decade and... plus, man. Yeah. So I, I predict in three to three months or so, or the holiday season, you see like a Jay Z Beyonce commercial, and they're sh- showing their gold. GS4 uh, is talking about this is how I roll with the video in the background. <laughs> I hope so. I hope we see that video. <laughs> uh, you're probably right. With like a little gold tooth, Bluetooth antenna thing or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm God. Little bing. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see that. Get my grill, get my Bluetooth put in, get my gold Is phone on. Samsung? <laughs> Do you think Google Glass will get in on that and have like these bright, like Bootsy Collins kind of like funk glasses? <laughs> I think that'd be kind of cool. I get that before I got like a gold phone. No, I definitely want to see that. Bootsy Collins, Google it. George Clinton, P Funk, <laughs> putting it down on yats right there. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Is this going to be more money? Because you would obviously have to charge more money so people felt like they were actually getting real gold, right? Well, I mean, was that the Apple way? No, but that was always more? more money anyway, right? Yeah. Unless you talk unsubsidized, I guess these Samsung phones, maybe like a, a few months after they come out, they'll go back down in price a little bit. But I like the comment on there. It says, hey, can't blame them. On Friday, Samsung interviewed a bunch of people waiting for the, the 5S and figure out why people were so excited. And why was Gold. it that they were so excited? Gold. <laughs> yeah, that's the most popular color. I mean, that, from what I understand. Is it because it's shiny gold. and we're dumb animals attracted it, to shiny it's new. stuff? It's new and it differentiates. It's about like when you had the, the, the white iPhones when they came out. Remember how that was a big deal? Yep. Yeah, but you that's know, because every other phone was like a dark, dark color. It was weird to see yeah. white. Because the second you got your grubby, dirty hands all over it, it was a darker color. So <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I don't know. People like dumb, next. shiny stuff. That's well, I mean, the next thing. What's that, Nick? Well, I was going to say the big difference between you know the, bl- the black and silver iPhone 5S versus the black and silver iPhone 5 is the black is slightly grayer and got that stupid gray, you know, the space gray. You know, naming for it, but gold. There was nothing like that for the iPhone five, so it's completely new. So that, in addition to it just being gold, is uh, everyone's going for that. So yeah, I'm pretty sure those people were waiting in line because they were paid to wait in line. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then they'll go out and buy the phone because it's gold, but yet they'll go and buy some bulky protective case that hides all the gold anyway. Exactly. You don't want to scuff the gold, man. You can't scuff <laughs> no. the gold. Come on. 
Exactly. Have we done sure. any tests and figured out what gold actually does to antenna conductivity or anything like that? Is that... I know uh, Asus had some trouble with the aluminum backings and it absorbing certain signal. I wonder if gold, like you touch it and it just shocks you or something. It's not uh, real gold, is it? No, I'm I sure mean, it's, it's gold. Not. It's just anodized aluminum in that color of gold. It's apparently relatively easy to anodize gold onto aluminum as opposed to something like black. I'm just. I understand. I'm so just. So you're saying they went the cheap way out. <laughs> It's actually it's probably a little bit cheaper, yeah, for them to actually do gold than black. Uh, from, honestly, it's just you know everyone. I don't know what they're doing as far as like supply and demand, but there's mm-hmm. bl- these space gray iPhone S's that are still around, and no one can get a gold iPhone unless you know they're going on eBay or whatever. Do you so, guys yeah. do you guys think Apple partnered with the cash for gold people and like they just melted down all that <laughs> got that crap and then made it into no iPhone? Doubt. No doubt. Maybe that'd be a good business move. Uh, do you I guys credit they don't? What they, they still sold nine million of these joints, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, because people were waiting for something new. They're sick of their old iPhones. Of course, they did. Yeah. I mean, that's big know, numbers. That's impressive. good numbers. Yeah. What's interesting about this is, is the 5S is apparently outselling by far the 5C. You know, there, a lot of people are a lot more interested in the 5S than the 5C. I know the 5C is really just a recased iPhone 5, but uh. Despite Apple putting it prominently on their uh, front page, everyone's going for the 5S. So, 5C stands for Christmas gift. <laughs> Probably so. That's what you'll see. It's going to be 5Cs days. and new Kindles just stuffed in stockings. That's it. Merry Christmas. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Well, I was, oh, I what? No, I was going to sh- change topics. you have any, something else to say about the dumb gold eyed phone? <laughs> Well, the Samsung Note, but I was going to add to the iPhone. If you guys saw lately, I saw a, I don't know if it was a slip or what, but they said the next thing that they foresee Apple happening to do to compete with the Galaxy and some of the phones like that is they think that the next model, they're definitely going to change the screen size. And how will people adapt to that? Yeah, and really, how big are they going to make the new screen size? Because the current iPhone 5 series is all 4-inch screen, and everyone on Android has moved to like 4.3, 4.7, 5.0 5. inches, or even larger. So, yeah, if if anything, they may come out with a somewhat larger screen, but I don't think they're going to go to like a 5 Well, because they already did that once, right? And it, I mean, slightly larger. Yeah, every every time they go slightly larger, three point five inch screen to four inch screen, that kind of deal. Right, so. and I mean, you wouldn't really have to retool too much if, if you already have large high res images for the iPad, and then you have the smaller ones for the phone. So you could either upscale the small ones or downscale the large ones. I mean, ideally, you would just redo your images, but you know, not everyone's going to do that, and that'll be this one of the, the big same complaints. Company. This is the same company that said they're not going to do a smaller tablet either. Yeah, so. and they came out with the iPad Mini. So well, yeah, and they said video. No one would ever watch a video on small devices. And then came out with the iPod Video. I mean, they they've said yeah. many many things like that. Yeah, yeah. The crystal ball is wrong sometimes. You know, it's not always one hundred percent. It's just a matter of time, right? And I should also say the Samsung Galaxy phone that's gold is also dumb it's not just the the gold iphone i feel i felt like maybe i i called that out too much they are both equally dumb agreed sir so there all right awesome uh yeah i saw this uh in the news last week a little bit it's kind of interesting the new steam os that valve is uh releasing and i know you're big into gaming What, what do you think about another os and maybe just an os like just for gaming i'm not Real sold on it. Um, I guess it's because the approach that I see they're trying to make with it being a living room operating system, a la being something like a, a Xbox One, PS4, where it's not just gaming, but it's also media consumption. And I just don't think average consumers are ready for something like that just yet. Not not your average consumer is going to have a home theater PC. You just not going to find it unless you can make that thing so damn simple you know to where they, they pick up a remote not a keyboard and that thing does what it needs to do and then you're talking about it running linux um 
people just freak out over little stuff like that, even though Linux is fairly intuitive. But well, I'm I just optimistic about. I'm optimistic about it. Uh, you know, they've had this in the works for for years apparently, and they're they're going to base it on Linux, and it's a direction they've been wanting to go for a while. Uh, yeah. Whether or not it'll compete with something like the the Xbox One or the PS4, I really don't know. But you know, that's that's the direction they're going with their own Steam box using yeah. Steam OS, and they've got a heck of an ecosystem with Steam, and they've worked, like, they've developed partnerships with other companies that initially didn't release products on Steam, and, and eventually those, you were able to get, like, for example, I had Unreal Tournament 2004, which Epic Mega, Epic Games never had an agreement with uh, Steam or Valve or anything like that, mm-hmm. and then uh, at some point, they basically uh, had an agreement, so basically you'd buy your Unreal Tournament game out of the store, and then a year later you could actually download it or synchronize it with Steam, put it in your serial, and then like get continued updates. And there's other software that they're doing that for. So they've they've got hundreds and hundreds of games, probably thousands of games in their Steam ecosystem, um, from mini games to larger games. So there's a lot of potential here. It's just how well they're going to execute it. So we'll see yeah, how it does. It. We probably battled a few times there, Nick. I, my wife hates even the that title. Oh, Steam? <laughs> no, 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 no. Unreal. I was just going to oh, say, yeah. Unreal Tournament 04 was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think I played that game from 8 o'clock at night until 4 in the morning repeatedly for two years straight. Yeah. Oh, Did you actually like clear out a space in your living room for all your friends to bring their computers over and land it up? Because that's what we used to do. And yeah, well, my girlfriend I, I used to hate to those, that. If I brought that to the house, dude, I'd already be divorced. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a special kind of woman to put up with a land party for three nights in a row. Yeah. Well, you guys going to I bed yet? Say, no. <laughs> We're playing Unreal. Come on. I will me? say that I'm excited for the OEMs that can get involved and make other Steam boxes and whatnot for gaming. You know, somebody that's going to put together a rig that's going to sit in a corner with a couple, you know, plus 20-inch monitors and, you know, and, and have something decent to, yeah. to run all of these Do you nice think games. they'll license it? Will they li- and let other people make boxes for it? That that was the rumors that I heard today. It's not just them. On relationships. But then they are also well, going to come out with, like, their model of yeah. it. Right, right, okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, guys, I've seen Steam just like Android was. Twelve years ago, yeah. I mean, I mean, they had to start somewhere. They had to go in the shadows of of the real developers out there. That you know, at first, everyone was probably in their bedroom goofing off with them. I was like, this is cool, and you know, it's it's taking a life of its own. And and like you said, Ant, and I agree with Nick on uh, like on the coding side, but really from the sake of adoption. It's going to come down to how simple they can make it for the average person. And I don't even think it's going to be a remote or keyboard. I mean, if you notice everything, even Xbox, Sony, all their, everything everyone's doing now, it's all going towards voice. And we know how imperfect um, voice is, but everyone wants to be able to just, you know, snap their fingers and say a command and magically have it. Yeah. The cool thing about this is they might be able to iterate change, like with the operating system, faster than these consoles are. You buy a console, you're pretty much getting the same thing, and if you're lucky, Microsoft or Sony updates the OS in a year, year and a half, and you get some improvements here because it's based on Linux, and I don't know, I think there's probably a more of a onus for change. Like I think it's there's a greater chance that you'll see more updates over time, particularly in the beginning. So I don't know, we'll see. It's good because, uh, yeah, another option and also because there's now more competition in the living room gaming market space. Well, and Valve is huge. I mean, the first games I can really remember, like, super getting into were Valve games. It was, like, Half-Life and Half-Life, Half-Life. 2 and Counter-Strike. I mean, all that stuff. You know, Team Fortress. Like, those were all just great games, and so many people played those. And then all of their little spin-offs, uh, like, not the Call of Duty, but they had one that was, like, World War II style. I forget what it was called. But, yeah, they had, like, a ton of stuff like that, all real, real good Real nice multiplayer and, and all that. It's cool to see them like coming this far. Like you said with Android, that's a really good. Uh, I don't know what's that called. Metaphor. It's not Analogy. A metaphor. Analogy. It's a really good one of those. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. 
But I mean, essentially, that's true, though. Like I said, Android, the the, the beginning stages of well, I don't even, it wasn't even called Android, but the beginning stages of that uh, programming. I mean, I see this OS going the same route. It's got grassroots. It's yeah. got guys just like we're talking about talking about O4 Unreal and games like that. It's got it's got guys that that have the passion to see it go further than just you know some backyard tool. They're gonna you know there's there's enough people behind it that'll push it. What what I think will make a difference will be like we said adoption. You know, ease of use to the consumer, and then on the hardware side, you know, just just like Chrome does with Google, you know, if you can provide it to the hardware guys at no, you know, significant cost, then they're going to be more willing to jump on board and give it a role as well. And you know, there's a lot more for us to see what happens. But I mean, like I said, that was the same with Chrome. That's you know how they got out there. They went to all the Dells and everybody and said, hey, we're going to give it to you, just like you know Google's doing now. But they're office documents, you know? They're like, hey, Microsoft, here's one for you. It's free now. What are you going to do? Hmm. Yep, and then it all moves to subscription-based. They got Adobe doing it and Microsoft doing it. It's crazy. And speaking of Chrome, I got I got a real quick beef with Chrome. I I see that they updated and everything's moved around the new like home screen if you use that. It has your main icons below, and then there's a search box there now, whereas before mm-hmm. you would search in the thing. I, I'm totally fine with that. Don't I could care less about that. Everything's still there. That's fine. The thing that they removed was at the bottom, there was your devices, and then there was your recently closed, and I cannot find the recently closed thing anywhere uh, on there, it, and it, I use that all the time, and it was so helpful, and now it's gone. It, it's there in that little uh, drop-down thing. What? Where? No, it's not. It is there. I can't remember. I saw it this morning. No, nope. it. it's not in the yeah, menu. It's, it's not in so the three lines. It, no, you have to. It, you know, the little thing that uh, the little drop down guy. I think it's on that. It, it is there somewhere. There is no drop down guy. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. There's apps. There's images. There's Gmail and there's Plus Mat. And then there's the bell. No, but look oh, at yeah. all the little goodies. Yeah, you know, I get this on some browsers and on others I don't. Like on this Firefox browser, I see, you know, plus Nick, Gmail, images, and Here. the little application menu. I will show and you. On my, yeah, on my Chromebook, I actually get the the old menu. I know I know what you're talking about. That's now. what that, it looks like now. And down here, yeah. on the bottom right, there was those buttons, and now they're no, gone. But, but, and now you can't even get to what your other... I saw this morning. They're still there. They're not on the bottom right anymore in those teeny little... Okay, uh, well, things, if, you, they are there. if you know where they are, email show at yeahnothertexture.com because I am you know, really I curious. Look for them, right? You know, I'll find them after because my little laptop is having such a shitty time with the video <laughs> that uh, I That's do fine. not dare open a browser window. No, it's totally fine. I, I just wanted to mention that. But you and me, Matt, same page. I, right? I, you know what I'm saying? Same, yeah, yeah, I know. Thank totally. You. I feel much better now. Also, Google adding search hashtags. Uh, if you just search. And I never, like, hashtags are always something I just click on. It's not ever anything I type in to actually search for. Like, on uh, maybe on Twitter, but not never on, like, Google+. If I use hashtags there, it's I click on it, and then it shows me, you know, all the stuff with the hashtag. So now if you type in a hashtag in the Omnibox or in the search box, it'll bring you to results that have that hashtag in it. On yeah. Is it just on Google Properties? Because I saw, like, Instagram in there. I saw – I left a screenshot here. Google, That's what I, I was trying to get When I look at it, it's only on Google Properties, at least for me. Because so, I tried incognito window and then just my logged-in regular account. And in both instances, I was getting things from, like, Instagram – uh, other sites that have public hashtags, and then, but at the top was all the the Google stuff, YouTube and uh, Google Plus. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at when we put in put the rundown together, because the article at the time was like damn near eight hours old, and it said in a few hours the update should be out to everyone, and I haven't seen it because I searched for a few hashtags and it pulled up 
both, like you said, Twitter, Google Plus. Oh, so is that not what it's it. supposed to do once it actually rolls out? What is it? What is yeah, the it's function? only supposed to to index on Google Plus stuff? Okay, not so everybody else. So next week, what? if we search for hashtag in there, those other results that we're seeing should end up not being there. Yeah, right. when I'm when I'm <laughs> on Google.com and I do like hashtag twerk, I don't know why. Uh, oh God, I, I get pretty yeah. much everything, but if I do that on Google Plus, it's only the Google properties. So maybe it's just certain hashtags, Nick. Maybe so. Or maybe it's just you. Yeah, maybe it knows <laughs> that you search for twerking, and, and that's it's like I, well, know I have what to you verify want. the feature works somehow. Well, obviously, <laughs> I can't think of any other hashtags off the top of my head. That no, I would rather uh, verify. That's really a good one. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't get like some backstage Miley Cyrus type. Oh, I can keep searching. Hold on. That's that's on page three, Mark. <laughs> that's actually page three. Uh, and also, I I kind of noticed this, and and we saw this when when uh, Google asked on YouTube if like when you log in, if it's like, do you want to tie your real name, your Google Plus account, to your YouTube account? Uh, and all, you know, trying to get rid of anonymous comments because, you know, that's always where the good stuff is, is down in the, the directs of the, the an- anonymous comments on YouTube. Um, but, yeah, so now what? They're integrated with Google Plus comments, YouTube comments. It's all just. Yeah, yeah you they're can trying write the to comments. Out. Yeah, right. you can write the comments. You can effectively hide them or move them to the bottom and move certain ones towards the top based, you know, based on if. Maybe a verified celebrity comments, you know, that would go towards the top. Is that I a like thing? I like that idea myself. Is is that a thing? Like, can you get so good at commenting on stuff that, like, you're just you have that celeb status of like, oh, this guy's a really good commenter. He's gonna have something either really funny or pertinent to say. Well, hey, I'm sure if someone me. like well, <laughs> I'm sure if someone like Chris Perillo, you know, comments on some video, he's probably gonna get higher up automatically in the rankings of someone like, like me. You know, so. Right, accounts that have more than a million followers or whatever. Yeah. Well, I can tell you guys this. I, I watched a uh, Google conference about their API stuff that works with the YouTube and some of the other search functions within. Um, and they said that was one of the things that they were working on was when people searched either, like, you know, a channel like, you know, the channel for you guys, for yes, or, or you know, what they do is now in the API coding, they base upon how many viewers or followers you have, and they're actually, they do bump those up in the searches now. So, for an example, they showed in a priority, like if a show had, I'll just give a random number, a thousand followers and, and put out a comment about, you know, I don't know why the sun has gas or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to comment on and put your hashtags or however you want to put it out and you tweet it in your Google Plus, they actually have a search function now in the API that looks for how many followers you have and then base it on how they put it out in the search results. Mm. That's what I saw on the conference call. Is that good, though? Or, I mean, does that make sense that you you would do it that way? If you search for two people that have the same name, obviously in the search results, it's going to return the more popular of the two people because chances are that's based on, you know, probability. That's what people are going to want. I think that's a good thing for the content creator. You know, say, say someone like me is putting something out there and all of a sudden some C level person comments on it. that has got a gazillion followers that does nothing but give me a little more traffic on my video. Right. Well, and they've been kind of doing this with the plus one thing, right? Like if you plus one something on Google Mm -hmm. plus, it'll show up to the people that are in your circles. And then if one of them plus ones, it shows up into their circles and so on. Yeah. But I also like how, even if you, because you know, we have our show here and it's going to go into the YouTube channel, but we always share it on Google Plus. Right, and Twitter and, when and someone Facebook. Comments, someone comments on Google Plus, it pops over to YouTube as well. You know, because everybody's not on Google Plus, but most people go to YouTube to check out stuff. Right, yeah. So, I'd say more people are on YouTube than Google Plus that I actually yeah. know. 
yeah. What do you think, Larry? Does this do anything? Well, I don't uh... know if more people have channels on YouTube, but more people look at it for sure. Yeah, more people look um, at it. Yeah. They'll, yeah, they'll have an account on YouTube even if they don't use their own channel to post media or anything like that. Right, it's just yeah. an interactive account, not one for producing content. Yeah, yeah, yeah a, it's it's a hard thing. Like, I guess if um, if it starts discriminating consistently in favor of people that have a lot of followers, the other people are going to get driven out of the market. On the other hand, if you got a thousand comments, you got to do something to order them. You don't want to see all thousand of them. Like even with Google Posts, do they really go to everybody? Does everybody really? If you post something on Google Plus, does does it go to all the people that are in all the circles that you include? I like to think so, but I'm sure it doesn't. Yeah. I don't know if it does. I bet not. No, because each person has their own adjustments per circle on how much yeah. content from each That's circle. True. You can say that. Right. I want them all or a few. Or, yeah, so it would true. depend on what circle but, you're in on yeah. that person. Like it, it depends what circle they put you in and then how how many yeah, posts. Can, that's right. They can throttle a circle. Right. So it depends. Yeah. If like I, some people like Ant, he's in like three of my circles for podcasting, for yachts, and then for just general tech. So it, if if any one of those sliders is more to the right, I will have a better chance of seeing something he posts. But you know, and then it also depends on what they're searching for too, because uh, they might have been looking for I don't know drum core or something like that, and my name showed up, and they decided to look and. Well, yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about searching. I'm talking about just in the normal feed algorithm. But, yeah, searching is a whole other because then they're actually you know, putting I'll, in a term. Also, I'll bet 99% of people just leave those sliders in whatever their default state. You're probably oh, right. right. <laughs> default, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, but, again, as, a, as an aspiring content creator, I think this is a, a good thing. If they can screw around with the signals just enough to to get content and more eyeballs, I'm with it. You know, yeah. well, it's just like on Twitter and other you know accounts, even with Google. How many times have you seen a brand or even someone trying to get whatever their message is out, uh, hashtag or tag in mm-hmm. somebody that has like 10 trillion followers, just to you know to give themselves that booster, those extra hits they're looking for. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting point, too, that like a lot of TV shows you watch, they have the hashtag there, and generally that means Twitter. But if Google integrates this even more, hashtag could mean anything at that point, right? Mm-hmm. It's not. And, you know, the the content producer doesn't have to change anything because it, do, it just says hashtag, you know, whatever their show name is. And it could work universal. Right. I mean, who knows? Like you're saying, it can go either way. You just won't see Twitter or Facebook search result things in Google because of the the deal. The deal. Do you guys even put hashtags on Google Plus posts? I do all the time. I do because it auto-tags them terribly. So Mm -hmm. I have to, (laughs) otherwise it's like... Defeat what they give it as a default. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's not right. No, but I I do it all the time because I think it gives you different signals. Yeah, I liked I when all think the about it, but now I will. <laughs> I liked when all the NSA Prism stuff was going on because it would just auto hashtag NSA, and that just felt good sending off into the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, Nick, you posted uh, something about the Chromecast. You had a slideshow uh, you put together. Is this one you yeah. made or? Yeah, actually, I, I don't know if we have enough time. I'll try to keep it brief, but I wanted to basically attempt a screen share and show a few images. I think Larry would get more out of this than. Then maybe some of the others, because he also has a Chromecast now, but maybe you others might consider it. Mine will be delivered tomorrow, Nick. Oh, awesome. Nice. All right, l- let me see if I can do this uh, screen share, and I'll kind of give you, weave together a little story about uh, my experience with it. Can you guys see it? Yep. 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 Okay. Yep. All right, so what you guys are looking at, hopefully, is uh, is Earthen View. It's, it's your image CPU. Viewer. Image. But yeah, this is uh, the task manager of my CPU. This is what it looks like at idle. Uh, so this is basically a three-year-old PC. It's an Intel Wolfsdale dual core, if anyone's interested in, 6800E. Uh, it's got uh, This PC here has uh, 8 gigs of RAM, Windows 7, 64-bit, and an NVIDIA 1-gig video card, which really doesn't matter for this. But uh, so basically, you know, I got this Chromecast a uh, month ago, 
and uh, it uh, when I'm casting a tab, it uses a little bit more resources. So right now, what you're looking at here is the first slide with my PC with no other programs open, and you can see the two top boxes are basically the two cores, the dual cores, the a mirrored view of them, and you can see there's very little usage, and I haven't launched any programs. So switching to the second one. There's oh, one thing, you, you've got an 8 gig of memory? Yes. If you're not running, why is so much memory tied up? What's, uh, uh, I have a number like of services in the background, like uh, Views, which is a BitTorrent client, Google Drive, mm -hmm. and uh, like a, I have an antivirus. Plus, I leave my computer on for months at a time without rebooting, or unless Windows you know, forces a reboot every couple weeks or month. So Just like any other geek. Like a yeah, boss. Much. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I turned mine on. off so, yeah, about... to blow them out with Duster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually bought a CD-ROM drive about four months ago. I haven't put it in a new Blu-ray drive. I just haven't got around to putting it in, so it's going to leave this thing on all the time. So, yeah, I've got three, about three gigs of RAM uh, tied up pretty much mm -hmm. at all times. So I'm going to move it over to the second slide. Let me know if it doesn't change. Um, so this is slide two. I've now activated... Uh, uh, Chrome as well as uh, started casting one tab, like I have just one tab open and I'm casting it. And uh, this entire duration for both those cores is is Chrome. Um, when you start seeing a spike here is when basically I started casting. So you see just randomly with me t not touching anything, uh, the occasional CPU spike, you know, is, uh, I don't know, there's some sort of activity going on with, with uh, that. So now moving it to the third one. Now this is me actually casting video. Not actually casting video, but like I have a tab open and I'm playing video and you can see how the CPU spikes up quite a bit while I'm doing that. Is that playing native video or is that a YouTube video or, or who? That, that's a YouTube video okay. that's just like a four eighty P video sure. that's uh that's playing in a tab. So I'm I'm not like going having YouTube stream its video to the Chromecast, I'm actually tab casting. Casting, exactly. the tab. casting the tab. So you can see it jump up quite a bit, and mm -hmm. it, it may not show it here as well, but basically I turn up the uh, uh, the settings from 480p to 720p, and towards the end I turn it up to uh, 1080p, and at this point the video starts stuttering uh, a little mm -hmm. bit at, at the 1080p section, and then when I turn it off, then you see it completely tail off to where it, it's down to to nothing. So even though I'm casting a tab, the video is no longer playing. So it's kind of uh, dropped off a bit. So did that have yes. them maxed? Because all we really see is like six percent, but that's at rest, obviously. So that, that's at that moment in time. When you're looking at the graph at the rightmost of each of those two yeah. cores, that's that moment in time. So you could have an average of eighty percent, but if the moment in time shows six percent, for example, that's what it'll show. Right. So, what so, was did were they tapped both of them, and that's where you got the stutter, or were they? Well, that that first section is like 480p video, like for the first half of each of those cores, and I pause it for a second, and then uh, turn it back on, and then started going from 480p to 720p to 720p extreme, or not 720 bit, 1080p. So. You know, it's it's really weird. It it gets more when you're going up to the higher res. It gets more variance, but the profile doesn't get as high as the uh, as the 480. Well, well, actually, the 480 is that first sec, the first entire half of each of those cores, and then it drops down yeah. because I stop. Right, but if but if you look at the 480 part, it's it's more uniform than the than the 720 yes. part. Is that a but buffering the issue? The money part doesn't ever get as high, really. It, I mean, they both end up eighty, not, not like ninety percent of your CPU at the, when they get up there. Huh? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure how that happened. I do know that, like, I was doing 480p for that first part, and what you see there was uh, yeah. was it doing that. So I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what what happened there, but I do know that ultimately the 1080p was the most demand at the time. So I don't I, know. I wonder if it's a buffering issue. That it, it like stutters there when it's waiting for the video to catch up. Yeah, could be. But uh, when I complete stop, that's when it tails off there. And just on the aside, uh, here oh well, here's uh, one of the messages I got uh, when I was playing at 1080p. Eventually, this popped up and it said, "Computer yeah. performance may be affecting playback quality." The, uh, <laughs> the your computer little... is slowly dying. Please learn more yeah. or dismiss. <laughs> 
Yeah. And uh, just on the aside, this tab, this uh, here is actually us doing a hangout last night on AOTA. Oh, nice. Exactly. Yeah, we had yeah. six, six uh, people, and that's basically what it looked like the whole time. And then here's what it looked like at just as it ended, and it tails off. So both Chromecast and Hangouts do uh, demand a lot of resources. And uh, uh, anyways, this is on a relatively high, you know, it was a high-end PC three years ago, and it's still not, it's still roughly on par with the Surface Pro, the first-generation Surface Pro in terms of processing and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's not bad hardware that's running on, but you can see it's, using a lot of resources. So that's basically it there. It sure makes me appreciate how this old Sony Vio I use here uh, handles all these Hangouts and Skype and everything. Yeah. yeah. Like I just yeah, opened up my, my task manager. I had to stop and reboot. And I am cranking along around, jeez, uh, it just spiked up to 77%. And all I'm doing is this Hangout. I've stopped yeah. all the services I could. And how warm is that laptop on your belly? Oh, it feels so nice. It's cooking, I bet. It's a heating pad. It's not a notepad. It's a heating pad. The fan sounds like a gen engine in the background. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks, Nick. That was that was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad someone took the time to take some screen caps of process. Well, hey, and all that. one other thing I wanted to, to mention about, yeah, yeah. about the Chromecast. Like, I have a $200 Chromebook uh, back there. It's the one I, I bought. You probably really can't see it. But anyways, $200 Chromebook, I can actually cast tabs on there, but realistically, for it not to perform too bad, I either have to uh, run it at 480p on in as far as a, the uh, Chromecast extension settings or 720p, not the extreme version. It'll be just fine. But the instant I try to actually start a video in that tab and have it play, it basically hangs after a few seconds, and the video basically stops, and it's like it becomes disconnected. And so even though it's no longer, I don't know, just it continues to operate on the Chromebook, but on the uh, the TV, which I'm casting to, it just it stops. It freeze frames. It never goes anywhere until I un- uncheck the, you know, until I stop casting, and then it goes back to normal. So Yeah, it's got a lot to do. It's compressing and transmitting. One we thing I will say. Yeah, true. Well, one thing I will say, the instant you start actually casting YouTube or Netflix, CPU usage drops down to nothing, almost as if you're, like, oh, yeah. Chrome is not running anything at all. So, That's just coming in over Wi-Fi. That's not putting anything on your CPU. Your CPU yeah. is just turning it on and off. Yeah, yeah and uh, the Chromecast is effectively handling all that load by itself. And so far, I haven't noticed any issue with it doing that. So that is the way to go. You never want to... Uh, cast video from a tab if by any means you can uh, stream it to the TV. So, Well, and people are only doing that because that's the only way to do it right now after Google shut down those APIs that Kusha was working with for all casts. Yeah. But it'll, it'll, it'll get better. It's still early. I mean, th- we talked about this on AOTA that it's like it's some of the guys thought it was long enough that like this stuff should be working. And I just keep thinking like, man, it, it seems like it just came out, but I, I don't know. It did just came out. And my whole argument was, I think along with Richard, you know, the timing is important. And right. me personally, I'd rather have the Chromecast now with what it can do than wait another six months or a year for other partners to come on board. I want to use it now. So, yeah. But why is it taking so long? If, other than the ones that it came with in the first place, are there yeah, any access well, right now it's Netflix, YouTube, and Google Play, and there's like about a dozen other companies that have uh, uh, signed on, like Hulu, HBO, uh, Plex, and actually give me a moment. I'll, I'll but listen. isn't that pretty much what they announced when the thing came out? I would have expected by now to have tons of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's been out a couple months. You you think there'd be more? Uh, let's see. Yeah, AOL, HBO, Hulu, Pandora, Plex, Pocket Cast, The Washington Post, Redbox, Revision 3, Twitch TV, Vivo, and Vimeo. Those are the current people that have announced, hey, we're going to be, we're going to have apps for this Chromecast. So, I, I think a lot of it falls back on the programming side of the app. I think they expected it to perform one way, like you're saying with the hardware, and maybe the first two or three times out, they're like, wait a minute not doing what we thought it was going to do. We're going to have to tweak some things here. And also, you should just, if you, instead of Chromecasting a tab, just upload the video you were going to Chromecast to YouTube and then 
You can stream yeah. it, and then just make sure you delete it real quick when when you're done watching. Well, you can just do it privately. You can just have it privately there, and you can keep it there as long as you want. And yeah, then, but still, the content match trolls will still find it. If oh, it's yeah, private. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Like, if you're gonna upload a movie to, st- you know, okay, that's it. And got me a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> the content troll. Fair enough. <laughs> what kind of content are you watching, Ant? Hey, every now and then there might be a favorite television show of mine. That this I is matched content. Yeehaw. <laughs> but that's okay. I still have Plex. That's I right. You just have Plex. to go through your copyright school. It's fine. Yeah. I got all A's in copyright school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should talk about, Nick posted this in the rundown, uh, BlackBerry getting a $4.7 billion buyout from this uh, Yeah. Canadian investment company, and they're kind of known hoping, for doing this, yeah. right? Yeah, I was hoping Chris would be on here because he knows more about this than any of us, you know. And yeah. I don't want to bore everyone to tears with, with all, all the the bad stuff that's going on with BlackBerry. But in the last week or two, things have gone downhill really quickly for them. You know, from their old CEO or, and co-founder was uh, trying to buy them out, or was announcing his intentions to to try to buy that part or some of the company and then uh what else oh they were releasing their new bbm for android and uh and ios and that went yeah it went badly not only did they have issues with their app there were tons of clones and fake you know malware type apps trying to clone it anyways and there were different versions released that were not compatible and caused issues so they they had to cancel that and then they announced their Z30 or Z30 smartphone the same day. They announced 4,500 layoffs and, you know, nearly half their staff, you know. Did each one of those uh, layoffs get a free BlackBerry smartphone, do you think, as like a parting parting gift? Here's a new Z30. <laughs> uh, they, all, so. they all had iPhones and Androids. They didn't even care. That's true. Probably, <laughs> probably so. Good point. So, yeah, it's just been, uh, I don't know, it's just been a, a bad couple weeks for them, so... Well, four point seven billion. I mean, four point seven Instagrams. It's not too bad. Yeah. Well, Apple made more than that just in the first week of selling iPhones. They made more. <laughs> to put it into perspective, sure. If you're yeah. going to run with the big dogs, you got to sell some more phones. Yeah. Well, I throw it back to you guys. Where do you see the future of BlackBerry? With Nokia uh, in some pool in Microsoft's backyard. I don't know. <laughs> Well, with them going private, maybe they'll still sell some phones, but unless they do something drastic, I, I don't see things improving for them. You know, they just released their Z30, which is essentially like a like a, a Droid Max, but with right. it's bigger in all dimensions and less battery life and a very, right now, unpopular OS in uh, BB10, so relatively unpopular. But, you know, we'll... We'll see how it goes, but maybe it'll get better for them. Like Dell, they're they're going private. Michael Dell is buying back right, his company so he back. can take the reins. So uh, yeah, maybe going private, they'll have more freedom to innovate. You know, so they still have the enterprise. Wait, do they? Is that even still an argument? To a certain degree, they do. I work for a very large enterprise. Well, I work for a very large enterprise, and we're all iPhones and Android. But Baz on the back end at all. Nope. Nothing. Huh. Good deal. No, they were, well, here's the other part for BlackBerry and the OS that I can tell you firsthand. I used to work with a lot of people out of Canada that did support encoding and come up with different applications for the enterprises to use with BlackBerry. And it was never the coding that was the issue. It was the issue of how to support and how to do it cost-effective. Like, to give you guys an example... Uh, here locally where I was, you know, I had a, we'll call it a mid-sized client, and this is, you know, five, six years ago that was putting in servers for BlackBerry um, for the first time, and they had all their devices on it, and to, to, to install it wasn't a big deal, but to have ongoing support, their support costs, because they only allow they're certified support people to handle it. If if you don't have someone local, you were dropping hundreds of dollars an hour, in some cases thousands of dollars a day, for simple support on the network. Mm-hmm. And I think that killed them because, like you said, when Apple and Android hit the market, 
I mean, they were pretty much giving it away, and you were still getting the same quality of support in some instances, depending on what the support was for. And, you know, it was just a matter of time catching up bells and whistles on what their product could do on the back end, which obviously we all know Enterprise is still not where it needs to be, but it's getting there. Yeah, at our enterprise, we were BlackBerry only, basically, in terms of what they were they were giving us. And uh, the problem was, at least as far as I was concerned, that the only thing they were giving us were bottom end, not just low end, but bottom end BlackBerry phones. And uh, I guess maybe they were given to us. I don't really know. It also didn't help that we were on the Sprint network. But uh, it, it was it was not a good experience, and honestly, I was very skeptical about smartphones until I got an Atrix 2, an actual Android phone, even though it wasn't the top-of-the-line phone when I got it. It was miles better than, than, the, than the, what was it, the Curve 8330. Mm -hmm. It was a miserable experience, and honestly, didn't consider it a smartphone. It was an MP3 player, and I just used it for workouts and, you know, calling my wife, you know, stuff like that. That was about it. We're trying to phase out the best really bad, and when um, people want to use mobile email, we give them the option of doing BYOD, and if they don't want to do BYOD, they can take a company issued BlackBerry, and it is an old curve. Is there no? <laughs> and there's like three of them. Oh, they are horrible. So, horrible. is there no company issued Android or iDevice at all? Then it's only. Negative. Ah, I see what you guys are doing. Saving yeah, we're money. Forcing you to BYOD. Saving That's money, making people use their own crap. That's use good. Your own That's phone. what my boss does. So I use all my crap. Agreement saying you're going to take care of our data. We lock you down, and you know, makes sense. Uh, let's see. Before we get out of here, tell us, Larry, about this future learn thing. This looks kind of cool. A UK MOOC yeah. provider. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of of good universities in the UK. They announced some time ago they're going to go into the MOOC business, compete with. Coursera and edX and um, Udacity. Udacity, and they have launched, and I hope they do really well. Uh, more competition, the better. Um, not much else to say about it. It's it's hopeful. It, it's headed by the the Open University in England, which has been doing distance education since the 1970s. They are really um, they're a real well established institution with a, a reach and uh, a real major part of the U UK society. So I have hope for it. Not as much hope, though, that the real one that I'm hoping for is MOOC.org that we talked about last week. Because right. that's going to let many, many people put up courses, uh, whereas these guys are still just doing university courses. They're launching with 20 courses. Um, I enrolled in one when it starts. I'll let you guys know how the platform is. I, hopefully they'll be innovative in their platform, too. Remains to be seen. Are you taking a cooking class? What are you taking? <laughs> uh, let's see. The Emmys, is it, was it the Emmys, the TV awards? We saw Netflix show winning some. Did they win? Did they actually win? They won yeah. a... Isn't that crazy? A lot of they won one. A lot of nominations, but did they yeah. win any? They won one for um, the director. The oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Fincher? And I, you know, speaking of that, just as an aside, if you guys want, I'll put in the show notes or something. Uh, Kevin Spacey, the guy that produced and acted in that, gave yeah. a terrific talk at the uh, at the Edinburgh Festival this summer. He was kind of the invited keynote speaker, and, and it's really it's really worth listening that to. That speech was awesome. Did we talk about that a couple weeks ago? Yeah, when... we did. Did we talk about it? Did we put uh, it in the yeah. show notes? I don't know. That would be the key. I, I, I talked about it in a blog post. I'll send you. Yeah, I don't know. I I I heard the speech though, and it was it was a really amazing. Yeah. It's like yeah. you know these people cool want this... it was like five or six minutes, but it was it was gold. Yeah. No, no, it's like forty five minutes. Oh, yeah, the whole speech was six like minutes of it. Then <laughs> you just heard this good the good the, six the best six minutes. You heard the good six minutes on yeah. Twitter where I heard it. <laughs> That's Maybe awesome. the, yeah, that's probably where I heard it. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, he was talking about like they want the content. We just have to give it to them and not that's make it. them jump through ridiculous hoops. Yeah, I thought it that was awesome. Yeah, and uh, thirty-eight percent of U.S. people stream Netflix. Larry, you had a blog post well, about really this. Surprised the hell in the I mean, U.S. Does that surprise you guys? I thought that was high. It man. doesn't. It doesn't sure. for me. We Netflix all over the place here. My kids. I thought it, it would be uh, more. You think it's really? too high, Larry? No. 
I'm, I'm just thinking of like you, you know, regular people. I would think almost hardly anybody. Come does. on, Larry. So at least half. At least half you of see. all regular jackass watch Netflix. That's what I would have assumed. Fifty percent. I think it's 49%. a little low because I mean, of all of the mobile devices. Well, you can stream it on like the Wii. You can stream it on the X360. You can yeah. stream it on anything. Yes, you know, three. Roku. Yeah. You know what that is? Okay, that says all those people, they know how easy it is to get video over the Internet. And when the cable company contracts start running out and the prices stick, if, it, if, it, if there's a switch, it's going to happen really fast. People are going to know how to do it. They'll just go quick and we're cut the cord. I'm telling you right now, guys, I'm getting this thing tomorrow or Friday, whenever, and if I can cast uh, Chrome to my television with an ad blocker running on it, it's over. Well, that hey, that PC Don't. that you're using right there, is that connected like through Ethernet? To, yes, it uh, is. Okay, let me just say this real quick. You will not be able to set up the Chromecast initially on an Ethernet-connected PC. It'll ask you to do it over wireless, so use a notebook or, or device with wireless to actually set it up. But once it's actually set up, you can then uh, cast tabs or whatever or control it from Chrome on your PC. But Word. that's the problem that I run into. It basically... Couldn't find it. You need to get on the wireless network. Turn Why is that? That's weird. Network oh, is. Oh come on! If it, it has still the... find it by IP address. Yeah, that's yeah. Weird. It's on the same network. My router is right there, <laughs> so you would think you know with me connected to it, and that's what it's connected to. But for some reason, it maybe detects it and performs like an ad hoc connection wirelessly or something. I don't know. For hmm. setting. Okay, thanks for the tip. And and remember also, if, you, if you're going to be casting tabs as opposed to watching, you know, Chromecast-enabled video, you're going to need a better computer than the ones that uh, that Nick and I have. Yes, that mine is, true. is Mine is decent. It ain't super-duper, but it's got 8 gigs of RAM. It's a quad-core chip on it. And really, if that's the only thing it's doing at the time, I mean, like, my computer had stuff in the background, but I wasn't, like, 500 tabs open, playing video games, doing whatever, yeah. and casting it. As long as that's a dedicated thing you're doing, it'll probably be okay. You'll just have to control it from your computer. And it's also my media server. I mean, I, yeah. I stream stuff from this thing all the time, so it, it, it can yeah. handle a decent the, the memory of won't be a problem at all, but the CPU, but if it's a quad-core CPU, that's a good sign. I'll be interested yeah, if it still stutters on 1080, though, because if I, even if I, like, I download see. 1080p films and try and watch them on here natively like they stutter like my computer just won't handle it really yeah what sort of cpu it's like an amd turion x2 it's old so it It runs cool edit pro in my torrent box and that's about it and we can watch 720p downloads but not 1080s i learned that the hard way (laughs) yeah for sure yeah and if you're doing 720p all the way i think you'll be fine uh, particularly since your pc is connected through ethernet directly to it you're only going to actually be streaming wirelessly in one direction it's not wirelessly to the router and wirelessly to the chrome exactly. so you'll be all right yeah. well i think also with all the casting and not just that but any of the mobile device videos almost everybody nowadays is geared towards the lower end casting anyway like if you're on your phone or a tablet, most people aren't watching it in 1080. They are watching 480 or 720 or something mm-hmm. like that. And I think that, you know, as time goes on, they'll probably work on some of the coding and stuff to, to adapt to casting at, you know, 1080 and whatever else is coming down the pipe. And, yeah. um, you know, well, it's this thing's been an ongoing battle for, what, 12 years now? I mean, home, home audio with the, the hardware guys has been a dream for 20 years and it's taken them 20 years just to get us where we're almost happy <laughs> almost I'm pretty damn close to it it's getting there we just have to be ahead of the curve so that's right if you would have got Chromecast version 2 like we would, this wouldn't even be an issue yeah. or you just get a new a new computer you it's know, like the first tests you saw back when the Raspberry Pi or the, what was that other one, the Arduino first came out, and they are like, look, we can have it render 720p video, and it's like this big, and everyone was like, yeah, that's awesome. That's <laughs> well, pretty much what's in there, right? Like back in the uh, old school gaming days, when you put a rig together, it was going to cost you like a down payment on a new damn car. Yeah, right? <laughs> it was $3,000. <laughs> 
All right. Well, anything else before we wrap this up? That's kind of about it, I think. That's it. We cover everything. Fantastic. Well, Mark, thanks for joining us. Guys, thank you for having me on. It was awesome. You got uh, any any place you write or anything online or anything you want to plug or anything you're Um, working on? All the tech stuff. In all honesty, I told Ant, I kind of take on a vacation, although I live and breathe it like you guys. Um, But as far as following me and keeping up with what I do, basically, I'm a Twitter hound and Google Plus guy, so they can either come see me on Google Plus or basically my Twitter is Mark double underscore Rhodes. Right on. We'll throw that in the show notes when Ant does them. (laughs) Yep. Awesome. Nick? Thanks for also joining us. Not a problem. Glad to join. Catch Nick on AOTA episode 100, which I should get posted sometime here today or tomorrow. <laughs> and Ant Pruitt, Larry Press, of course, the Yats panel. Good to have you guys. Right. Uh, yeah, anothertextshow.com. That's our site. Make sure to subscribe to iTunes. And we have our own Twitter account, Google Plus page, and Facebook if you are into that. Hey, I want to plug, I want to plug a piece, Matt. Go for it. I got a lot of feedback on um, my recent piece on Dell's Tech Page One. Uh, basically, I want to say I called it Linux Admins to the Rescue. And all of the geeks and nerds, they, they, they gave me a little shout-out about that, and I appreciate that. So what, what's it about? What's, what, is, what is it talking about? The, the reason to have a Linux admin in the enterprise, you know. That they wasn't know, the post. That wasn't the post mortem article. This is a different one. No, not post mortem. That one got a lot of feedback as well. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that, I, that one I read. I, I enjoyed that one. I don't think I read this one though. Yeah, the Linux admin to the rescue is the last one I've done, and I appreciate folks um, commenting and sending me messages about it. It's been been fun interacting and listening to people get up in arms about, oh yeah, we're super duper, and you know it's. <laughs> Lots of passion when you talk to Linux nerds. A Linux admin can be the IT hero in more than a few ways when it comes to the back end of the company. You know what? That's it. F yeah, and F yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, com. Check out our site and all that good stuff. It's on the site. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Uh, check out Ant Pruitt's Point and Shoot Smartphone Photographer Hangout tomorrow evening. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Good night. Good night, everybody. Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.